Welcome to this edition of the College Sports Insider, presented by the NCAA and Champion Magazine. I'm Jack Ford. Uh, we're delighted to have with us today a couple of folks who are going to help us understand the world of student-athlete development. And we're delighted to have Peyton Owens with us uh, from the University of Minnesota, where he's Associate Athletic Director for Student-Athlete Development, Diversity, Inclusion. And Bridget Woodruff from the University of Wisconsin, where she's the Director of Student-Athlete Development. So welcome to both of you. Nice to have you here to chat a little bit about all Thank of this. Thank you for this. having us. Uh, let me start off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask each of you about your own backgrounds, but let's set the, the stage for the conversation and ask you, and, and Peyton, I'll ask you to go first, and then Bridget, you jump in. A explain to somebody who you meet for the first time and says, student-athlete development, what, what does that mean? What's the answer to that? Jack, that's a great question. I think the biggest part is just preparing student-athletes for life after sport, you know, really positioning them to understand the importance of cultivating multiple strengths in order to be prepared to move from backpack to briefcase. Okay. And Bridget, what would you, what would you add to that? Yeah, that we're essentially developing their non-athletic identity. So we can help them to transition both when they transition into college, but when they're leaving and moving on, transitioning out as well. Let's get a sense of both of you, then, your backgrounds that brings you to this. Bridget, you first. How did you get to where you are now um, at Wisconsin? Yeah, so I started in um, athletic training. So my undergrad is actually athletic training. and um, Good. So you can take a look at the knee that's bothering me right <laughs> yeah. now before we leave this. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. I had one replaced. The other one's a little itchy on me. Peyton, thanks very much. We're going to have a focus here with Bridget to make me feel a little bit better. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's great. Um, you know, and for me it was um, – I always talk about my story with our student athletes too because I didn't take the time to fully understand the life of an athletic trainer. And once I realized that, I decided this wasn't the career for me and kind of took a transition, knew I wanted to stay in sport, but get more into maybe administration. And really when I sit back and reflect on it, I'm still helping and taking care of students, just not in a medical fashion, more so their overall development. So went to a small school, or Division three school at University of Wisconsin-La Crosse, and then my master's at Ohio State, and I've been at Wisconsin for 10 years now. All right. Peyton, how about you? Yeah, you know, similar backgrounds, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. Uh, I was I went, actually attended the College of Women Mary, mm -hmm. uh, my degrees in kinesiology, and all four years that I was there, I was actually a student athletic trainer as well. Uh, I originally was on the path to becoming a physical therapist, uh, but then decided to take some time off. Uh, and then went back and got my master's in sports management and leadership at Virginia Commonwealth University and was able to find out more about this space. And again, similar to what Bridget described, it was one of those things where I started, you know, really thinking about those skill sets that I learned through athletic medicine and athletic training, where I'm no longer preparing student athletes to get prepared back out there to compete in a sport. But now I'm preparing them and definitely crafting that plan for success post-sport. It's interesting. Both of you went mm -hmm. from, in a sense, nurturing the body to nurturing the spirit mm -hmm. Absolutely. and the soul here. Peyton, let me ask you this. Is this a fairly you – know, I, I, I played football in college many, many decades ago. We, we didn't have um, student-athlete development offices. Um, is this a fairly recent phenomenon, the idea of, of creating, institutionalizing, if you would, an office that is going to prepare these young people for when, when they're finished competing? I would actually say no, it's not. And I honestly believe that it would be offensive to, you know, uh, anyone that has come well before us that mm -hmm. has really been in the space of education and preparing young men and women for success. Uh, this is something that's been around for quite some time. And when you talk to individuals, 
you know, whether it was a high school coach, uh, peewee league football, they were always committed towards yeah. developing and nurturing the total person and advocating for your total development. So this is a space that's been around for quite some time. It's just now that you're really starting to hear more about it, definitely with some of the topics and different initiatives that are happening, but it has been around for quite some time. It's interesting you mentioned yeah. the, the people who played the roles. And I, my illustration, I was raised by a single mother. You know, father yep. had sort of disappeared on us when I was five years old. I will point to my Pop Warner coach, yep. mm-hmm. you know, as somebody who helped me develop my very much so my high school, uh, my high school coach, and, and ultimately my college coach at Yale. I tell the story is, you know, he literally got me into the law school I wanted to go to by there picking up a phone and and calling Fordham University mm-hmm. School of Law and said, yeah, I want you to take, you know, this young man. So as you said, there have been a lot of people who have who have been in that roles. Yeah, but, and I think too, you know. When I first got into the profession, there, it was um, the academic reform was happening. So I think there was always the focus on the academics and um, reforming that area. And so although we were always doing this work, mm-hmm. it wasn't as much on the, the forefront. Whereas now, student-athlete welfare is a conversation we have every single day in our spaces. Mm-hmm. And so with that area growing and um, athletic departments putting resor- more resources towards this area is where I think you see or you hear more about it and you're seeing more growth and advancement in it. I want to talk in a minute about what each of you do on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. But let me ask you about, about something um, that, that, that sort of percolates out there. And, and some of what I do with the NCAA is kind of as an ambassador. And I've said this before, I, I'm, I, I'm not a spokesperson for the NCAA, but I'll travel around the country and talk with various groups and get involved, engage in conversations about issues mm-hmm. and try and create dialogue mm-hmm. about issues. And, and one of the things that I'm, I'm very actively involved with is, is correcting misperceptions out there. And, you know, there's an expression from the world of politics that a, the perception can very quickly become the reality mm-hmm. in the minds of folks. Why do you think, and, and you might not agree with me with the premise, but, but here's the premise, that there are an awful lot of people out there who don't, don't really know the inside workings of the intercollegiate athletics world and what's, what young student-athletes are doing and exposed to on campus. And I'm sure a lot of people, and I've had this response, a lot of people would say, you know what, they come to play. Nobody really pays any attention to them as long as they stay eligible, as long as they're able to compete. And then once their eligibility is done, you know what? They kind of disappear, and the colleges and universities are, say basically, thanks so much. You're, you're gone. Where's our next batch of student-athletes? What, what, why do we think that perception exists? Peyton, you first, and then Bridget. But I think the biggest part of the reason why that perception is there, in my opinion, is just the fact that you you look at a certain time frame and a clock of time, you know, four years, five years, you're thinking about that. So you think with Peyton has a short amount of time here as a student athlete at the university of plug in whichever university. But what people don't realize is the fact that the connectivity goes well beyond that time frame. I mean, definitely the alumni engagement, uh, definitely engagement with the greater campus, the identity, the development that goes well beyond the lines of play, as Bridget highlighted earlier. But I think it's that's because people get a chance and they think about that clock. I mean, everything is pretty much on a clock. I've, I've heard oftentimes that people play differently when you keep score. And I think that ultimately from the outside looking in, you have this clock of counting time of you have this amount of time to compete. So unfortunately, people feel like you're within that window. We, we see you for this amount of time. And then after that, we're done and we get the next batch. Every year, there's a new batch coming in, which is true. There are definitely incoming student athletes and, and freshmen to a university. But I think overall, it does become something where uh, in order for us to definitely uh, uh, dispel that myth or that perception is to make sure that we continue to demonstrate that connectivity through our alumni. 
Brittany. And I, I think, too, that um, from someone that has no inner workings, not inside, you know, in the world of college athletics at all, uh, just a typical fan, right? The stories that they hear are scores and wins and losses. Mm -hmm. I don't think we do a great job of telling the human interest stories all the time. And they unfortunately also hear, and part of this is my profession, they hear the bad stories. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's where I think if we were able to tell those more of those stories and understanding of the the development over time and how we're essentially elevating these students' lives through this time with us. That if we can create or, or navigate and tell those stories in a better light, I think that some of those perceptions may change. Absolutely. Give me a sense of, of what you do on a daily basis. So somebody's saying, okay, student athletic development, what does that mean? How would you describe what you're doing on a daily basis? I think actively it's about creating and cultivating relationships, whether that's with the campus, whether that's with the community, whether that's with the workforce, you know, figuring out spaces and opportunities to really fellowship, bringing individuals together for a common purpose and goal, which in this case are our student athletes and their development. So working with different committees on campus, uh, engaging with alumni, working with professors in order to make sure that we continue to actively en engage our student athletes in their academic well-being and making sure as our athletic director Mark, Mark Coyle says often, we're helping them with academic, athletic, and social excellence. And I would say too, you know, totally what Peyton just said and the other piece is, you know, leading our staff and our team to directly impact one-on-one -on -one with our students. You know, so our team may have 10 students walk in and out of their office every day, whether it's helping with a resume, um, preparing for an interview, talking about life. Talk about know? Give me some specifics there. Yes. So what, what would a day look like then with some of these people coming into your office or some of your, your, the, your, your team members' offices? Sure. Yeah, so, you know, a student X walks in and um, sometimes it's just building that relationship and community and, and they just need to sit down and chat right and mm -hmm. and find a comfortable safe space to to hang out for a little bit and then it might be you know that person's out and you're off to a coaches meeting to share some insight with coaches and and um how we're developing their students and then it's you know back to your office to help a student with a resume perfecting that getting ready for an interview um we always talk about i don't know about you peyton but on the semester schedule halloween is a really tough time this is when homesick starts to, like homesickness starts to set in yeah. First rounds of midterms and exams have come through. If you're I, not, I remember, I, I go back to my yeah. freshman year at Yale, and this time of the year I had torn my hamstring, so I wasn't playing mm -hmm. football anymore. So now my mm -hmm. identity as an mm -hmm. athlete had disappeared on me. I was struggling academically. I came mm -hmm. from a little tiny public high school. I had 96 kids in my senior class, mm -hmm. and I end up at Yale University. And mm -hmm. and I'm I'm really worried that I'm going to make it through the semester. Right. So my story, not terribly unusual for what you oh, see? absolutely not. Yeah. And even if it's not an injury, you know, maybe you're at the bottom of the depth chart. In this is dose of reality for you, and <laughs> right. we gotta. You know, we were all stars. We were in high school, and all of a sudden, right. you know, you're two Big Ten universities, and not everybody's gonna be a star. Right. Absolutely. So it's you know, it's just helping them navigate life, and then the other piece of it too is um, setting up workshops. A lot of we what we do is event planning as well too, organizing yeah. event planning, whether it's educational workshops, you know, professional development, go pro days, you know, or, or career fairs, classes, you know, teaching classes. 
variety yeah. of things. Absolutely. And then on the, you know, in preparation for life after sport, it's definitely working with uh, definitely individuals within the workforce. So mm -hmm. meeting with these HR representatives, meeting with uh, individuals that are able to really cultivate the right relationships for our student athletes to secure internships, job opportunities, and working with them in order to do site visits and resume critiques and mock interviews and things that allow them to start to really build that, that plan for success and career development out. So engaging with these companies, engaging with these individuals in order to create uh, micro internships uh, and definitely greater internships that allow student athletes to really see what it means to work for a particular company and actively bring an alumni back into the fold. You know, that's another big part of it, too. How do you do that? I think the biggest way there is really reaching out to them, whether that's working with the, the present coach or working through your varsity club on your campus and really making sure that you sustain that momentum. Again, making sure that all student athletes and coaches know that the roster isn't what's just online. It's actually in the community. It's definitely in the workforce and it's on campus. Do you find, and, and Bridget, you talked about how Halloween it can mm -hmm. be difficult, and I'm going back to my own experiences as a freshman in college, a struggling freshman in college. Um, do you find that, that the freshmen especially, that they have to be kind of drawn in to you, that, that there might be a little bit of a, of a resistance, not a personal resistance, but just a, okay, I'm okay. Oh, yeah. I can Absolutely. handle this. Right, because there's... You know, they've all been taught to be tough and don't show emotion and you can do this on your own and you're the stud of this team, you know, whatever sport it may be, or perfectionism, you know, all of those things they struggle with. And so to break that down, that's why when Peyton talks about building relationships, that's the key part. And that's where even... The kids will just come in. The students, sorry, will just come in and <laughs> we still we can still call them kids. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah, we're I talking about they're they're always kids. I tell the story. My my football coach at Yale Cormcoza, who's in the College Football Hall of Fame, I had my knee replaced when I was 60 years old. The first phone call to the hospital was from my coach because wow. he wanted to check on one of his kids. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that's yeah. what they do. So, you're, you're, so do you find the same thing, Peyton, that you've got to, there's going to be a little bit of a barrier there? There is going to be a little bit of a barrier, but I think that the way that you combat that is just be being authentically you. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things that thrives in this space for those of us that do this work. And you think about you know, your coaches from definitely the, the years that you played is when you're able to really get down to it, if they're being authentic with you, that comes across. And you want to be, be in that space. You want to be around those individuals that are authentically themselves. Uh, and that shines through. Every day I try to make sure that you know, I'm available and that I'm there to help and encourage. And I think that's a big part also about how you're able to really break that down is just consistently showing up. I, too, am from a single-parent home. Mm -hmm. And I think what I learned in life was if you really want to see how important you are to somebody, just ask them to show up. Right. Mm -hmm. And what we do on a consistent basis, along with scores of other academics and coaches and professionals, is we show up, you know. So I think that that's one of the things that allows us to kind of chip away at that, because there are everyone's got their own story. They've mm -hmm. come from different backgrounds, different parts of the world even. Mm -hmm. So it's about how do you just consistently show up and be authentically you. Right. And you build that trust to give them a safe space to mm -hmm. be themselves with you because they need that outlet. Mm -hmm. One of the, the things that we hear often, and, and if, if you're a, a coach, I'm sure you embrace this, this feeling, is that such a, a large percentage of our student athletes across all three divisions, division one, two, and three, if you ask them, do you think you have a chance of being a professional athlete? The numbers are astoundingly high. Mm -hmm. Now, in, in one sense, that's good. Mm -hmm. I mean, you want people to, to uh, be aspirational. 
and say, this is what I, I think I can do this and I want to work, I want to strive towards it. This is my goal. On the other hand, you want them also to be realistic. And as, as we know, the number is less than 2% of the, what, 475,000 um, Division One, Two, II, and Three uh, athlete, student athletes are going to make a living in some way, draw, get a paycheck from their mm-hmm. athletic abilities. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we still all sort of believe that <laughs> when we got into college. Is, is that any kind of an impediment for you, do you do, getting students to sit down and say, okay, maybe you will. And even if you do, you know, career, you're not going to have a 30-year career mm-hmm. as, a, as an, an active athlete. So let's talk about some other stuff. Is, is, do you find that to be at all a, 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 a hurdle in some fashion? You know, when I originally started out for many years, I, I would honestly say that, yes, I mm-hmm. did see it that way. But as I've gotten more seasoned in the, in the work, I, I honestly just feel that what I have to do is I just have to walk with you in the journey. You know, I have to be that, that rest stop on the highway, if you will, that when you're finally ready to pull over, I'm there, right? And I don't literally look at it as an impediment. I look at it as that we're dealing with a population that has a tremendous amount of belief in themselves and hope and passion. And all we need to do is make sure that we just meet them where they are. And again, like I said, just just being there to walk in the journey with them, supplying them with resources, being authentically myself and engaging them in the conversation and and getting them to understand that, hey, when you're when you're ready to rest, when you need to rest or if the rest is decided for you, here we are because we have alumni that come back. We have uh, definitely student athletes that meet us at, at different points within their journey from whether it's a freshman coming in that recognizes from day one, this is the end all be all for me and I've got to make sure that I'm prepared for that next level or that senior that feels like they're going to have an opportunity only to have it you know, pulled out from underneath them because of an injury or something of that capacity. But we just walk with them in the journey. So I said that, it, it, again, to answer your question, I think that I did think that way, but now mm-hmm. it's just about making sure that I'm prepared when you're ready to show up. Yeah. Bridget, what do you, yeah, what I do you think see? I would agree with Peyton, too, that um, we talk a lot about having parallel plans. We don't talk about plan A and plan B because this is, is immediately if you uh, say that. That's a really good point. They're saying. Plan, plan B is almost failure. failure. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And yep. That, shutting you out. You're no longer part of the That's a very interesting know. way to approach it. Yeah, that trust is gone. So. Like Peyton says, walking along with them, we're gonna we're gonna support you in both of these parallel mm-hmm. plans. We're gonna help you achieve your athletic dreams, right? But you're also gonna have to know how to interview as a professional athlete. You're gonna have to know how to dress. You're gonna have to know how to you know, you know, just hold yourself, right? All things that are gonna transfer into the business world or work world or wherever it might be. So let's prepare you for both. And then when it does end, because they know it's gonna end, they know it. Um, how are you going to be successful, and where, where, where's your pivot then? Mm-hmm. And are you prepared for that, and let us help you do that? Absolutely, because that's the great thing about sport is we learn to cultivate multiple strengths, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. the moment that you become one-dimensional, no division, no level, no program can use you. So what we need to do and what we consistently do in this space is draw off of that. You know, you don't train the same as you did when you were eight. You don't eat the same food that you did when you were in middle school that you do now at this level. So how do you continue to, again, have parallel plans that allow you to make sure that you are prepared for that next opportunity? That's a fabulous point to use them as parallel plans. And anybody's listening to us, even if you're an elementary school teacher or high school teacher, I think you could utilize that approach to things. And and again, the more we, kind of going back to one of my first comments, the more we develop their non-athletic identity, Mm -hmm. the better their transition's going to be whenever this sport does end. So true. Because it is a, an emotional, physical, 
I mean, it's a major transition wherever, whatever point you're at. And so we just need to make sure that they've developed in strengths in all different areas to help that transition. How are you able to, to gauge successes? You know, we're, we're, we live in a world of metrics and data points. And, you know, everybody in the corporate world wants to say, this is what I can, I can point to on, on my PowerPoint to show how we've been successful using numbers. Mm-hmm. You're not dealing with numbers. You're dealing with people and, mm-hmm. and, and aspirations mm-hmm. and opportunities. So how then are you able to sit down and say, all right, we are being, we've been successful, and here's how we can tell we've been successful? Yeah. I think it, go ahead. what were you going to say? Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, for us, I think it, you know, definitely it's the return visits, you know, that aren't mandatory, mm-hmm. right? Okay. And stopping in and the conversations that start first and foremost with values and then kind of blossom into other things surrounding definitely the transition along the way. Uh, the questions that are asked that start to really show the evolution and the maturation of the young man or young woman through the process as they start to think many moves ahead. I often say, often say that we're playing chess, not checkers, right? we got to think many moves ahead. And when they start to recognize it, I think that's also something that, you know, definitely is a, a great touch point. And then also definitely the alumni engagement, the individuals that want to reach back and continue to, uh, continue to afford opportunities for not just career advice but mentorship and sponsorship through this journey. Uh, these are all the things that demonstrate definitely that commitment to how individuals are really actively in the fold and committed to the success of these young men and women. Uh, And it just goes on and on. And I think that you start to see it also with the coaches as well. And I have seen that, you know, coaches that recognize that we have to. I I was going to ask you that. No, coach's job is it's to coach. And Mm -hmm. and at the division one level, it is also to win. Now, we like to think and I think most coaches and I I travel around and I have contact with a lot of coaches. I think most coaches also believe that part of their function is the the personal development. Mm -hmm. Yes. But there might be some some conflict time. You know, mm-hmm. you, you want somebody to come in and be participating in a seminar and spending some time about mm-hmm. learning how to dress and how to respond in an interview situation. The coach is saying, you know what, I need him in the weight room. Is, is that a delicate balance for you? Do you find it all? For us, um, you know, I think we're fortunate at Wisconsin, the coaches that we employ, they're, they're not getting hired unless they believe in this stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it's just we, we elevate lives on a whole spectrum and that's that's what we believe in at Wisconsin and and so we're I can only speak to that my experience there really absolutely and it's the same thing at, at Minnesota you know with Mark Hoyle's vision for academic athletic and social excellence the focus is on the advocating for the development of the total person so the coaches understand this and embody that and begin uh, to and remain ambassadors and champions of everything that we strive for not just within Golden Gopher Athletics but for the greater University of Minnesota mm-hmm. uh, and really being committed to our greater mission and vision and they understand that if you have a, a senior student athlete who's trying to search for a job for his next step and they're mid-season and they're so stressed out, that's going to affect their athletic mm-hmm. abilities. Coaches understand that. And so if we can make these pro- this progress along the way so that they're sound in off the field or court or you know outside of their sport, they're going to be better athletes. And coaches understand that. Absolutely. Cultivating multiple strengths. I go back yeah. to it. And again, going mm-hmm. back to what Bridget said, I think it is very delicate also with the parallel plans with coaches as well, mm-hmm. you know, and having them mm-hmm. understand the importance of that because they too have gone pro in something other than actually competing and playing in the sport. 
They're now coaching. They're still in the sport, but they're coaching. And I think that, you know, it's all based on how you position it. And I think that it becomes that dialogue and that conversation about how to best serve their program. So, you know, rowing is different than tennis and golf is different than baseball. But how do you craft a plan that is successful for that coach and their program that embodies their values and the team values that allows the program to shine on multiple levels? Last thought for both of you. It, it sounds to me like it's just an enormously personal, rewarding way to earn a living. Am, am, am I sort of romanticizing what you do? You're, Bridget, you're, you're both smiling <laughs> yeah. broadly. If we had a camera here, folks would see that. Um, I, are, are you, maybe here's the question, are you surprised at how rewarding personally it has been for you? Bridget, you first, Um, You know, I, I guess surprised... No, because I, I knew, you know, you're you're developing people. You knew there was going to be reward in it. But it when it comes, when it shines through is when it's the surprise, right? Like we do this. We don't do it for the reward. Mm-hmm. So when you see that student come back and run on the hall and give you a hug after being mm-hmm. gone for two years, that's, that's the surprise and, and the really rewarding piece of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, it's not – it's the attitude of gratitude. I mean, I'm, I'm just – I'm gracious to be in this space and to be afforded this opportunity by the University of Minnesota and Mark Coyle um, and working with amazing colleagues within the Mm -hmm. Big Ten Conference and across the national landscape. And I'm not really surprised by it because somebody did it for me, Mm -hmm. you know. They met me where I was. They walked with me in this journey. And luckily I was, you know, in the right frame and stage in life at different points to listen. I think that's the big piece is you have to listen and be willing to receive it. So when it comes back full circle, it's one of these things where I'm not expecting it, you know, Mm -hmm. but... It is. It's, it's just it's just nice. And it should be that way because that's about, you know, a big part of uh, the focus of what we're trying to do is widen the circle of grace, continue to afford that gratitude and pay it forward. Well, I think it, it, it's great stories in terms of the, the notion of student-athlete development, what you've all been able to do it, at your university. is always great to get badgers and gophers in one room. Yeah. <laughs> kind of no, laughing and smiling and enjoying it, their conversations yeah. with each other. Faye Owens and Bridget Woodruff, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you spending some time and talking with us. You both be well. All right, thank Jack. You. Thank you. Does it for us for today for this episode of the College Sports Insider. I'm Jack Ford. Thanks for joining us. We'll look forward to talking to you again real soon.